<laughs> Shake boom, boom. All right. Am I on? I am. Hey. Rock on. Rock on. Rock on, dude. Well, hey, that's pretty lively uh, considering it's really it's 8.30. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I don't know if, if uh, Penny said this, but to, uh, this morning I'm going to be wrapping up our Healthy Church series. It's a series we've been going through for the last, well, actually since the, uh, since the new year. Uh, next weekend, we're kicking off a new series. It's going to be a, a shorter series that's going to ramp us up to Easter, if you can believe it. Uh, it's right around the corner. But uh, before I get into the topic for today, I want to uh, just review the list. I mean, all the topics we've been looking at in this healthy church. And, and when I say healthy church, it's basically the approach we've been taking is what, it, what does a healthy church look like? What does a healthy church uh, act like? So I'm going to go through the list. See how many of these you can remember. Uh, from the series. So number one, a healthy church is a church that gathers. Ten points for everyone. A healthy church is a church that, that serves. It's a serving church. A healthy church is a church that is generous. It's a giving church. A healthy church is a church that believes in the Bible, that the Bible is the word of God. A healthy church is a church that invites. A healthy church is a church that worships. A uh, healthy church is a church that prays, talks to God. And then last weekend, Danny talked about that a, a healthy church is a church that values discipleship, meaning uh, both being a disciple and making disciples. And this morning, what I want to talk about is, is in our final uh, topic in this series, is that a healthy church is a church that believes in the presence of God. Right? So here's what I mean. Uh, when you look at that list we just went through, it's like, here, you know, it's like God is, has given us as a church, as his followers, it's like, here's, here's your job description, uh, you know, this side of heaven. And it's not like God gave it to us and said, okay, you guys, you know, here's the list. You guys get to work on it. You guys figure this out. I'm going to be going away, and I'm going to be back later just to see how, how you're doing, right? Thankfully, that's not what he did. When he gave us this list and said, this is what my followers look like, this is what my followers act like. He, what he threw into it is what we're going to look at today is that he said, and I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm going to be guiding you. I'm going to be teaching you. I'm going to be, you know, walking through this whole list and showing you how to do it, how to, you know, work all this stuff out that he's given us to do, this side of heaven. And, and so a healthy church is a church that, that believes in the, uh, the presence of God. And because we believe in it, we practice the presence of God. And that, may, uh, that phrase may ring a bell in some of your heads, uh, but maybe not this morning. It may be too early. But uh, there's, a, there's a classic Christian book called Practicing His Presence. I'm sure many of you have read it. If you haven't read it, I'd uh, highly uh, recommend it. We don't have any on the, on the uh, book cart, but we could actually we'll probably get some for next weekend or, or in the future. But it's a book that's written about these two men who lived at... Uh, different times in, in history, one of them was a monk whose name was Brother Lawrence, and the other guy was a, a missionary named Frank Laubach, and both of them <clears throat> basically came to a point in their lives where they asked this question, and the question was basically, like, is it possible, possible to go about our day, like just all the stuff we do as human beings, is it possible to go about our day being constantly aware of and responsive to the presence of God. 
And you can get the book to, to read about what they discovered and learned in that, but that, that was basically their question. And so a healthy church is a church that uh, is a group of people that as, they go about our, as we go about our lives, just all the stuff we go through each and every day, that we're constantly looking for for the presence of God, for the activity of God in our lives. And, and, and this picture may help you out a little bit. Uh, um, I was reading a book last week, and this guy used an example. He said, you know, prairie farmers years ago, and I know there's farmers here, so now I'm, I'm a little nervous to say, use this story, but in years past, prairie farmers, to prepare for the winter season, and you can imagine, I mean, we just, we've had all this snow and these storms, right? Could you imagine on the prairies where it's, you know, you got howling winds and lots of snow, and they would have whiteouts. So what, what prairie farmers would do to get ready for the winter season is they would, uh, they'd tie a rope to the back door of their house, and they'd run it out to the barn and tie it to the barn. Because regardless of the weather, regardless of whatever, what storms are hitting, they still had a job to do, right? They still had to look after the animals, and I'm not a farmer, you know, but I'm sure they had to go in there and feed them at some point. But... But so what they would do is to keep themselves from getting lost, they would grab the rope, right? They'd grab the rope. And that's what I'm talking about. A healthy church is a church that as we go throughout our days and, and, and we uh, encounter storms, they may be relational storms, they may be spiritual, financial, just whatever. Oh, there's just so many storms in life that, that this thing this, this, this of practicing the presence of God is that we're constantly grabbing for the rope we're constantly reaching for the rope for the presence of God does that make sense because that has to make sense if it doesn't we're gonna it's gonna be a long message okay so here's the thing so today even though and I look out and so many of you I know you I know you know this right the you know the presence of God that he's with us like that God is with us right now right you may not feel it right but God is here and I'm basing that on, on the truth of, of his word, right? He said, if two or more are gathered together, I'm there. You draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So based on his word, he's here with us. And I believe God wants to encourage us today and remind us that he's with us every step of the way. And, I, you know, and as I was praying this week, the thought I had was that for some of us, he's going to come so close that on one side, it's going to freak you out like, oh, he's really real and he's really here. But on the other side, it's going to be incredibly comforting to know that he's really real and he's, and he's really here. So let's pray and then we'll jump in uh, to the message. So Lord, I, uh, I thank you for a new day. I thank you for uh, just everyone that's here. Lord, you know us, you know everything about us and uh, I ask that you would come and, and just fill this room with your presence. Lord, I, I just pray that you would, you would make yourself known. You'd reveal yourself to us. You know, how to, you know how to communicate with each one of us. You made us. And I pray today that you would, uh, you would awaken our senses to you. You would tune us into you. Lord, you never intended us to live our lives alone stumbling around it's always been your intent that 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 we'd be aware and, and and just believing that you're with us every step of the way so just come have your way today in jesus name amen okay we have bibles at the front 
in the back. I'm going to be jumping around a lot, but if you don't have a Bible, uh, make sure you, you grab one. So uh, number one in your notes. Oh, that's neat. Number one, it says God wants to be found. Right? And, and, you know, I've had conversations with people where they'll say, or they'll sort of throw a question at me like, hey, well, prove to me, prove to me that, that God is, is here, right? That, that he really is. If you, you know, you keep saying that, prove to me that he really is here. And one of the things that I like to do is, is sort of, is to knock the ball right back into their court and to say, well, why don't you prove to me that he isn't here, right? And, and here's what I mean. Psalm 19 it says, the, the psalmist said this, he said, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. Like this is just one way that God reveals himself to the world. Right, just uh, this morning, I w- well, not this morning, because uh, time changed. Yesterday morning, I woke up, and where I can sit at our dining room table, and I can watch the sun come up. And I, I, you know, I knew what I was going to be talking about this weekend, and as I looked at it, I thought, you know, it's just so awesome and so beautiful. And it's like God, it's, it's one of the ways that God is screaming to the world, I'm real, and, and I'm here. So he wants to be found. He's not hiding from us. And, you know, I was thinking about how, remember when we were kids, uh, 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 we'd play the game hide and go seek, right? Everyone remember that game where someone is it and they, you know, every, everyone else scurries off to go and hide and they count and ready or not, here I come. Well, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but God would be lousy at hide and go seek, right? Because the person who is it would say, okay, everyone, you go hide and they, you know, they go to the corner or whatever and, and they would count to 100, I mean, Right? And they're going, you know, 94, 95, and there's God standing behind him. He's, he's quivering. He's so excited, right? And they go, 99, 100, ready or not, here I come. And they turn around, and God goes, here I am. Here I am. You found me, right? I mean, he so wants to be found. He loves us so much, and he knows that on our own we can't do it. And so that he, he literally, he can't wait for us to to find him. And listen to this scripture from Isaiah 65. It says, this is God speaking. He says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here am I, here am I. Right? He wants to be found by us. And, the, and he, you know, he's not hiding from us. He's, he's really not hiding from you. And the truth is, as we look, you know, all through the Old Testament, the New Testament, I mean, we just look at our own lives. The truth is, we're the ones that hide from God, right? I mean, one of the consequences of sin, and when I say sin, it's when we, when we, we, we don't do what God uh, told us to do. One of the consequences is that it literally drives a wedge. It, it separates us from God. Our guilt and our shame, it literally, you know, it drives us into the shadows hiding from him, right? The, I mean, the whole story starts off with that. I mean, in, in Genesis, right, God, you know, he creates this beautiful garden, you know, all these animals, and he says, and I will call you Canada, right? But no, he... Uh, Okay, I'm just getting your blood going. Okay, now it's like, whoa, 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 now you're awake. Okay, but he, you know, God creates this beautiful garden and, and Adam and Eve, and it's just, this, it's just beautiful. And he goes, you guys, you know, he, he's talking to Adam and Eve, 
you guys, you just, I want you to enjoy the garden, you know, run around. Uh, but there's, there's, there's just one thing I'm going to tell you is, uh, you can eat from any tree, right, all these, but there's one tree, I don't want you to eat from that tree, right, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and, if, and if Adam and Eve, being human, I'm sure if I was Adam, I would hear that and I'd turn around, the, as we were walking away, I'd look at Eve and I'd say, so what do you think's up with that tree? Like, why, why did he say no, right? And you know the story that it looks like really soon after that, Adam and Eve are just happened to be headed towards the tree, and they sin. They disobey God, right? And then in Genesis 3, there's this, uh, there's this beautiful picture where it says, it says, in the cool of the day, God is walking through the garden. Right? And he's looking for Adam and Eve. And you know what? It, it doesn't say this, but I don't think this is stretching it too far to think that, that the normal, the norm for Adam and Eve and God was in the cool of the day, they'd go for a walk. I mean, how beautiful is that? I could just imagine, you know, so what did you discover today? Well, apples are good, you know, or, or whatever, they, whatever they discovered. But, but I mean, that, that was the norm. And yet, what happens? In Genesis 3, God's walking and and he actually says, where are you? And they were hiding, right? It was, their, it was their guilt and shame that hid them from God. But again, God wants to be found. He doesn't want his people to be separated from him. He wants his people to be close to him. So what does he do? Well, we just celebrated what he did in communion. He's, he sent Jesus to the earth. He sent his son to the cross to, to take on himself the punishment for our sin so that now that, that, that the wedge can be removed and now that relationship can be restored. And, the, and this whole thing of, of uh, believing in the presence of God and practicing the presence of God, you know, grabbing the rope, being aware of his presence. When God sent Jesus to walk among us in the flesh, I'm thinking that's the way to do it, God. Right? It's so much easier to believe in the rope if you can see the rope. Right? And so Jesus is there, but then what does Jesus do? He's getting near the end of his time on earth, and he throws this, this curve, or this, he throws this wrench into the whole thing. Uh, Genesis, or John 16 says this. It says, but very truly, uh, this is Jesus talking, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And so Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to go back to my father. And I want you to know this is a really good thing. Because when I go, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And if I was a disciple standing there, I always like to, you know, put myself in their sandals. And if I was a disciple, I would have gone, oh, hey, hey, Jesus, just a second. I would have, you know, taken him aside and I'd said, hey, you know this whole this whole going away thing, uh, better for us thing you're just saying, I want you to rethink it, right? Because, you know, I'm a smart disciple and I know the story. I know that really soon you're gonna die on the cross. You're gonna pay for that, for sin. You're gonna, you know, that whole sin thing. You're gonna remove the wedge and all that. And, and I know you're gonna die and that's gonna be tough, I'm sure, but I know you're gonna come back to life. And we're actually gonna get to see you. We're gonna get to, to touch you. We're going to sit down. We're going to eat food with you. But we're going to, you know, you're going to be there with a resurrected, eternal body. So Jesus, just consider this. Why don't you stay with us? And why don't you walk us through this whole thing to get the job done? 
Like, just think, you could go, I mean, we all have the maps, you could go with Paul on, one of, on his missionary journeys. And just think of the churches you could plant, right? And you could go around and, you know, again, I'm a smart disciple, so I know that, and there's going to be airplanes, and there's going to be television, and, and there's going to be, you know, this guy named Al Gore is going to invent the internet, right? And it's like, just think of the possibilities, Jesus. I mean, we're going to have you, we'll have you going all over the world, and we'll be doing conferences. I mean, I mean, we'll get this thing right, because you'll be with us. So wouldn't it be to our advantage if you stayed? I think it's a pretty fair question. Listen to this quote. Uh, it says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would be, would be alongside and in the disciples encouraging and exhorting them and bringing them into an elevated spiritual life. And unlike Jesus, he would not be limited by a physical body, but would be everywhere, always available. That is a great advantage. You know, Jesus, remember when he came to earth, he was fully God, fully man, but as fully man, he was limited, right? He could only be one place at one time, so to sort of carry the analogy, that just means there's only one rope. There's only one rope to grab. And if you aren't where Jesus is, well, I guess, you know what I mean? You're on your own, right? But the Holy Spirit, well, that's a whole new ball game because the Holy Spirit is everywhere. Suddenly, there's now a rope for everyone. Does that make sense? There's a rope available to everyone. God is now able to be or is available to, to every person, right? Now, as I say that to you now in the 21st century, I know that we're pretty used to that language, right? And like now everyone has access to God. Through the Holy Spirit, everyone can, can have a relationship with God and come into the presence of God. And so for us, we're like, yeah, 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 we're pretty used to hearing that. But you know, to a first century Jew, they would, if they heard me saying that, and I, I'm not exaggerating, I think they'd probably smack me in the mouth. Because in their culture, it was like, not just anybody comes close to God. Who are you to say that you just have this, you can just walk into the presence of God at any time? I mean, remember in their culture, uh, uh, in the temple in Jerusalem, they had, the, remember the Holy of Holies? And that, like, that was the place where God touched down. That's where he, he met with his people. But he only met with uh, one priest once a year, right? That was, that was it. But again, God wants to be found. And he doesn't just want to be found by, you know, by, by one person once a year. He wants to be found by everybody. So what happened? There's a significant event when Jesus is on the cross and he's accomplished what he came to do, right? He's taken all the sins of the world on himself. When he says, it is finished, something really significant happens in the temple. What is that? Yeah, No, it... it <laughs> what was that? We'll wait on the interpretation now. But you're right. I think you're all right. <laughs> the curtain, and not just any curtain, because there were, there, were, there were lots of curtains in the temple, but the curtain of curtains uh, that stood between the Holy of Holies and, and, and into the temple, that literally was a massive neon sign saying, stay out. Right? God reached down and grabbed that curtain 
And from the top to the bottom, just whoa, just tore it apart. Right, and here's the thing, you know, in the temple, the temple really was filled with obstacles that would keep people uh, away from God, right? Because if you look at a map of the, of the temple, and it's not like concentric circles, but it's, you've got like the Holy of Holies in the middle, and then one step out from there, you have what's called the priest's court, that, and only the priests could get that close, right, to the, to the presence of God. And then another step out from there was the Israelites' court, which is where Israelite men, that's as close as they could go. And then another step out from that, there was the women's court, and that was for Israelite women, that's as close as they could go. And then the furthest out from the, the Holy of Holies, from the presence of God, was what was called the Gentiles' court, and that was for foreigners, that's as close as they could come. And there actually was a sign engraved. And here's what it said. It said, no foreigner is to go beyond the balustrade. And that's like, I think it's like a railing. And the plaza of the temple zone, whoever is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his death, which will follow. Like, so can you understand for me to say we have all access to them would be like, what are you talking? about nobody goes in there but God and this is what I love about the whole the whole tearing of the curtain it's like God just makes this statement and he's going and in removing the obstacle of obstacles and, and just and just tearing it apart he's saying I want everyone men women foreigners I want everyone to have access to me and you know this is one of the things that drove the, uh, the religious leaders, it drove them crazy about Jesus, right? Because remember how, you know, Jesus shows up, here's this young rabbi, and he starts calling himself the son of God. And that, you know, the religious leaders are like, ooh, blasphemy, you know, you're just some punk from Nazareth or wherever, you know, like, they just, right? I mean, rightfully so, they're like, who are you to say that? Right, you're God, so the son of God, and, and then, but here was the thing that, that really sort of was confusing to them. He made those claims, but then what did he do to back it up? I mean, he just did miracle after miracle after miracle. So it even says in the Bible that lots of people would, would, would be talking about Jesus, and, the, and they would say, could he really be the one? Could he really be the son of God? And, and you know, my hunch is for a lot of the religious leaders, they may not have, you know, shared it in the lunchroom, but they, that inside, they were asking the exact, exact same question. I mean, who does that? Who raises the dead? Who heals the sick and multiplies food and casts out demons? Who tells the waves to settle down? I mean, right? right? But, but the thing that really confused them was, but he can't be God. Because God would never let those kind of people come close to him, right? Because Jesus, I mean, God wants to be found. So Jesus was constantly making these statements, whereas he, he would go about his life, he would let all the wrong people come close to him, right? And don't be offended, ladies, but women, he would let a woman come close to him, right? Uh, children, uh, foreigners, Tax collectors, prostitutes, I mean, even lepers, people that were diseased. They were like, there's no way this guy can be God because God would never allow those kind of people to, to come close to him. And you know, I bet that for some of you here today, whether it was said to you or implied to you or, or wrongly taught to you, 
that you've been told because you did this or because you did that, that you can be a Christian and yeah, you can go to heaven, but don't expect to come close to God, right? So, so you had an abortion. You got divorced. You, you know, this, I mean, this sexual preference, you know what I mean? Like just all, you fill in the blank, right? But, I, but, but I'm here today to tell you, based on the authority of God, that there's no sin that has ever been committed by, by mankind that Jesus didn't die for. And when he, you know, upon his death, upon paying for all our sins, past, present, and future, Jesus reached down and tore that curtain and made this, this statement just saying, God, the way to God is wide open. It is wide open and everybody, I don't care who you are or what you've done, everybody now can come close to God. But here's the thing. Even though we know that, it's, it's a struggle to step into that, isn't it? Because it's so hard to see that the way really is open, right? Because, because we're, like what I talked about with, with Adam and Eve, and it's because we're blinded. Because the truth is, even though our sins have been paid for and that we can be forgiven, we still sin, don't we? Or at least I know I do, once or twice. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so we're blinded by that. We're blinded by our guilt. We're blinded by our shame. It drives us into the shadows to hide from God. Or, and you know, and added to our own struggle is we have an enemy who is like a pro at, at blinding us, right? Because he works overtime just trying to blind us to, to, you know, to, to uh, being aware and of, and of seeing how close the rope really is. That right now, right now, for Everybody in this room, God is right there. He is right there. He's, he's, he's right beside you. He's in you. He's all around you, right? But we're blinded. There's a, there's a, a, a really cool story in, in 2 Kings 6, and don't put it up yet, Doug, but it's a story about uh, Elisha, right? The prophet Elisha, and if, you know, uh, there's just so many crazy stories. This guy did all these really weird and, and cool things. But in this story... Um, you can read it for yourself, but, but basically what happens is Elisha and his servant uh, are, are in this city, and they don't know it. Well, I, I think, if you read the story, I think Elisha knew it, but the servant didn't know it. But in the night, the, the, the city was surrounded now by this massive army that was there, and, and, it was, and they were looking for Elisha. So here's what happens in the story. Uh, verse 15, it says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, <clears throat> an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Now, I, try to, I like to you know, get into the story. Could you imagine this servant? They get up, you know, they turn their clocks ahead too, and he gets up and he, oh, he stretches out. He looks at Elisha and goes, you know, don't worry, boss, I'll go make some coffee. And he putters into the kitchen. And then he goes out to get the paper. And here goes this servant. He opens the front door and he bends down, grabs the paper, and he looks up and it's like, you know, there's just this massive army just, you know, just looking at him. And he slams the door and he runs upstairs and he says to Elisha, he goes, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And Elisha rolls over and he goes, hey, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I'm sure, again, the servant must have looked at Elisha and thought, 
You know, I'm no mathematician, but I know there's more than two guys out there, right? And listen to this. This is the key. It says in verse 17, And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I mean, how cool would that be? And here's the thing. The servant wasn't blind, right? He wasn't tap, 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 right? He wasn't blind. But so what does it mean then? Open his eyes, Lord. What it means is take the blinders off, Lord. Help him to see with eyes of faith. Help him to see beyond. Help him to see the unseen, what's really more real than the seen, right? And, and here's the thing. You know, and I think it's crazy. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to live a life that pleases him, if you're even going to stay following him, you're going to have to learn to believe in the invisible. Right? That's because, I mean, that's what we're called to. It's a, it's a walk of faith. 2 Corinthians 5, really, you know, we all know this. For we live by faith and not by sight. Right? Uh, it's, it's Noah building a massive boat in the desert. Right? Faith, not by sight. And you know, I believe that this morning there are people here that you in your life, whatever's going on in your life, in your family, maybe at work or school or whatever, there are people here that you feel surrounded. You feel that the enemy is just coming at you and there's fear and there's anxiety. And today God wants to open your eyes, your eyes of faith, to see, you know what, you are not alone but to see the unseen, to see what God is doing, to see that God and all that, is, all that he brings to the table, which is everything, that it's, it's, it's there, it's with you. It's all available to you. And you know, that's one of the things in the vineyard, I believe is really, uh, it's so much part of our heritage is this whole thing, this crazy thing of faith. That we're a people who just, with all our questions and all the, disappointments and you know what I mean with just all that stuff that we still go no I'm gonna put I'm, I'm choosing again today I'm gonna put more weight in what God says than in what I can see with my with my very eyes because the truth is if you really are a follower of Jesus well the guy we're following that's how he lived his life like Jesus on his time here on earth he never let go of the rope Right? He was constantly, you know, if you read through the Gospels, he was constantly just in tune with his Father. He was constantly looking for, for the presence of God and the activity of God. Uh, John 5, 19, this is a very uh, verse we quote a lot in the vineyard. It says, so Jesus explained, you want, you want me to tell you how I do what I do? <clears throat> he says, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. He does only what he sees, eyes of faith, right? He does only what he sees his Father doing. And here's the thing. As we, and again, we have, we have our, our whole lives to practice this, right? To practice the presence of God. To, to be, okay, God, you know, open my eyes. Show me. What are you doing in this situation? 
One of the things that I promise you'll discover as we, as we make it like our default in life to be grabbing the rope in you know, all the storms and all the stuff that we see is that as we do that, what we'll discover is, is just how much uh, is available to us as his kids, right? Number three in your notes says the uh, benefits of God's presence. And these are just a few that I drew out. But number one is uh, as, we, as we go through uh, storms in life and stuff comes our way, as we choose to grab the rope to, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you saying in this situation? One of the things that we discover is his peace, right? And, and it's a peace that really, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, Isaiah 26 says this, verse three. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace all those who just keep reaching for the rope and grabbing the rope. And, and you know, here's the thing. I, I have a, a vivid memory, and I know, and I, I think it's three or four years ago I shared this with you. Uh, uh, my sister passed away. We were out in California and I have a, a vivid memory of, of being in the hospital room and talk about a storm. I mean, it was, it was so sad and, and it just was confusing because I thought, but we prayed. We prayed for years over and over and over and yet here she is dying right in front of us, right? But here's the thing I remember of being in that hospital room with family and, and, and we were grabbing the rope, we were praying, we were saying, God, where are you in this? And here's one of the things that I remember is that hospital room was thick with the presence of God. In such a sad time, right? It, 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 was, it was just so, the peace of God and the comfort of God was just like it was tangible. And you know, I remember some nurses, I mean, they would come in and just sit in the room with us. Right, and it was just, one time I went out, grabbed some lunch, I came back, and here's my parents, they're praying for this nurse, and she's crying. I thought, I thought it's just so amazing to me that in a time that is so confusing and sad, that God, the faithfulness of God, and, and that he, he, he wasn't hiding from us. He was here I am, in, you know, in caps, right? The, his, his presence and his comfort was so thick and so real his peace uh, another benefit is is his power the power of God Danny talked last week that that our job description this side of heaven you know beyond all the stuff we do in life it's to be disciples it's to be choosing and learning each day how to live a life that pleases God walking in obedience doing what he tells us to do inviting others you know telling others about Jesus and just all that we do in life and um, Acts 1 verse 8 says this he says, uh, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And here's something that's just so cool about God is that when he says, here's how I want you to live and here's what I want you to do, he then says, and here's all the tools you're ever gonna need. Right, here's the power, here's the wisdom. I mean, he just, he just loads us up. It's all available to us. And, you know, one of the things that we do in our small group is we always start off, we start off each, each night with, uh, I'll say, hey, so are there any God stories to share? And what I mean is, <laughs> you know, over the last week, uh, share with us any times that you just felt nudged by God to go talk to someone 
to pray with someone, to help somebody out. Maybe there were no words involved. And, and normally most, of, most people that are, have a story, they'll sort of go be real sheepish, like, well, I think I've got a story. And, you know, be, uh, you know, and, and last Wednesday, this one guy said, hey, any God stories? And he goes, well, I think I've got a story. <laughs> and, and he starts telling this story at the place where he works. Um, <clears throat> he was talking with a guy. There was a subcontractor, some tradesman was there. And this guy is sort of this gruff tough guy and he was sharing some stuff in his, that was going on in his life with, with this guy in our group. And the guy in our group said, uh, he said, all of a sudden I heard myself say, well, sounds to me what you need is Jesus. He's like, but, and he said that and then he shared with the group, he said, he said, it's like I was hearing myself, I started to tell the story of Jesus starting with Adam and Eve and I was telling the story all about Jesus. And he said it was just the weirdest thing. He said, it's like I was sitting there, where is this coming from? And one of the guys in our group, and we were all listening to this story. It's a great story. And one of the guys in our group, he pipes up and he goes, well, I'll tell you where that was coming from. That was the Holy Spirit. Right? That was the power of God. That was God equipping you for the job he had for you that, that, at that moment. So God gives us peace. He gives us power. And then finally, uh, God gives us a purpose, and here's what I mean by that. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, in this whole thing of being disciples, it's the, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does, the presence of God in us, is that he keeps us in the game. And, and, and here's what I mean. Earlier this year, like a lot of people, I joined uh, a gym, right? Okay, yeah, no, it's the lighting. If the lighting was different, no, but... <laughs> <clears throat> but one of the things that I've noticed in the gym is, you know, I'll go there and do my little routine, you know, tie my shoe, untie my shoe, tie my shoe, untie my shoe, go to the restroom, tie my, no. But, so I'm sitting there, and, and I'm doing, uh, you know, uh, going through my routine, and one of the things that I observe is there's some people that go to this gym, they pay extra, and they get a personal trainer, right? And so I'm on my little stationary bike, and I watch them to, to learn, because I'm too cheap to get a personal trainer, but... <laughs> But here's one of the things I observe. So, you know, here's the trainer, and, and, and the trainer will, will, I watch him. They instruct the person, okay, we're going to work on your lower back today. And, and then he shows them, this is the exercise you do. And, oh, but no, 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 don't do it that way because you're going to hurt your back. Right? So he, he, the, the trainer instructs them. The trainer, uh, you know, is encouraging them. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, he's, you know, really talking to the person. The, the trainer is challenging them. No, 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 you can do, let's do five more. You can do five more. And then, you know, the, uh, the, the, the trainer also, you know, keeps them focused. When they sit down and grab some water, hey, let's go, let's go, you guys. Let's get up. Let's get back on the weights, right? And, and that's, that's really in a, a great picture of the, of the Holy Spirit. Because as a follower of Jesus, we have available to us a live-in trainer, who as we go through our lives, he's instructing us, no, here's, well, no, here's how you handle this situation. No, 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 don't say that. If you do, you're going to hurt more than your back, <laughs> right? It's like he instructs us, he encourages us, that was right, way to go. That was, you know, uh, he challenges us, no, I want you to go back and talk to that guy, right? He, he keeps us in the game, no, no, you know, right? I mean, we literally have, have God living in us. Listen to this scripture from Philippians uh, 2. It says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And here it is. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. 
I mean, what a great deal. He says, here's what I have for you to do. Oh, by the way, I'm going to come live in you, which is a mystery to me. And I'm, going to, I'm actually going to, you know, I'm going to be your trainer. I'm going to give you everything you need to do it, right? So why don't we stand up? We're going to end off here. And we're going to end off a little, a little different today. And this may be a stretch for some of you. No, I always think, I always wonder, what do people think he's going to say now? Okay, okay, that was my own little private time there. But I'm, uh, I'm back now. <laughs> the angels were laughing. No, but uh, my, I don't think this would be too off base. When I look at all of you, that I believe, I would say probably almost everybody here would agree with this, that... Uh, uh, I need, my, I, I need my eyes opened. I need God to touch my eyes that I could see, like my eyes of faith. I need God to take the blinders off. Would you agree? I'm sure everybody here would agree with that. Right? I, need, I really need help, God, to see with eyes of faith. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, JT's going to lead us in a song in a bit, but before he does, I want to throw this out to you. Just where you are, I want you to quickly... Get into groups of four, okay? Wait a sec, wait till I say go. Yeah, hey, I feel like a teacher. Hold on. Groups of four, and I'll, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to take turns praying for each person in the group, okay? And all I want you to pray, very simple, put a hand on their shoulder and say, God, just like what Elisha prayed, God, open their eyes that they will see, that they would, so open their eyes so that they will see you. Okay, really simple. If you want to pray more, you can pray more. If you're sitting there going, oh, I hate this, you can say pass, right? You're still going to go to heaven. There's nothing wrong. You can say pass. And if you've never prayed out loud before for somebody else, you don't have to pray. But if you want to, I'm giving you a simple little prayer. God, open their eyes so that they see you, okay? So break into groups of four. Go real quick. We'll take a little bit of time to pray. You might have to move your feet. You might actually have to swivel a little bit. But do that. Uh, just be bold look around you look around you if there's people hey why is everyone leaving no okay and then we'll then we'll end off with a song So go ahead, and once you finish off, uh, so JT's going to lead us in a song, and really this song is it's, it's the prayer that we just prayed, so let's sing it out, and then I'll, then I'll come on up, and I'll, and I'll pray to, to end off the service.
That's our, that's our prayer today. Uh, Lord, we're asking for what, what's available, what you've made available to us. Lord, I pray today, this week, as we go back and just to the busyness, the routine of our lives, I pray that you would open our eyes. And I pray especially for those that this week means they're going back into hard places. At home, hard relationships, at work, at school, just with neighbors, like hard things. I pray, Lord, 
that I just pray that you would remind us to grab the rope, to look for you, for your presence. What, God, what's happening in this situation? Where are you in this situation? And I pray that uh, this week we would experience you. We, we, just the truth that we're not alone, Lord. That you, you, you're right there. And because you're there, everything's there. Everything that we'll ever need is there. And way beyond just accomplishing a task, I pray just a blessing on each one of us on our relationships with you. That you are a pursuing God. You're a God who wants to be found by us. What an amazing gift that we can know you. Lord, and I pray for each one here that you would just take us a step closer to you this week. I pray for those that just struggle with that or maybe even are really cynical about that. Like, ah, I just can't seem to connect with him. I pray this week for, for just, just uh, that you would become more real, that you would break in in a way that they would just go, oh, you really are real. You really are there. Lord, thank you that you didn't just push us into this thing and say, now go figure it out on your own. That you love us and you're with us every step of the way. Lord, what a gift. What an amazing God you are. Just thanks for your presence today. Thank you for each one here, each family represented. We, just, uh, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.